It's me. It's me. It's the D-O-double-G, the road dog, Jesse James. And by my side, as always, is that B-A-double-D-A-double crooked letter, badass Billy Gunn. Together we are the New Age Outlaws. And you're listening to the VOC Nation. And if you ain't down with that, we've got two words for you. Suck it. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, who you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact, Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, and former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern, and of course, In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Stadium Journey Podcast. Once again, we are so proud to be part of VOC Nation Radio Network. And as you know, we're more than just a wicked awesome podcast. Our, our website, you laugh every time I do that. Our website, stadiumjourney.com, contains over 2,500 stadium reviews from 31 countries around the world. We also feature news items, features, all kinds of stuff that is perfect for the traveling sports fan. And in addition to the website, we are all over social media. We're a conglomerate, I tell you. We're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Like us, follow us, share us everywhere. The Stadium Journey Podcast, thank you for tuning in, by the way, is the perfect companion while you're on a road trip. If you're looking for our podcast, just type in VOC Nation Radio Network into your podcast search app or look under the podcast tab on the Stadium Journey website. In addition, all of our old video podcasts are on the Stadium Journey YouTube channel. It's perfect for Ben We also stream live every time we record, every other Tuesday night, on twitch.tv slash danlaw83. Welcome to everyone watching there right now. Don't be afraid to participate tonight. Let me take one minute to introduce our starting lineup. Dave Cotney is with us as always. You can follow him online at ProFan9. We've got Mark Viquez with us. He can be found at Ballpark Hunter. Our producer, the above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is online at DanLaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI. So, for tonight's show, it has been a crazy offseason in minor league baseball. And we are going to talk with someone who is right at the center of it all. He works for one of the biggest surprises of the offseason. So, welcome back to the podcast, Sean Aronson the Director of Broadcasting and Media Relations for the new AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins, the St. Paul Saints. Well, that, first of all, that, that's quite the introduction. Second, th- this is my Twitch debut, by the way. So I'm curious, like, should I have, like, a, a game controller? Like, isn't that there you go. Twitch that, there game? you go. 
Right? That makes, yeah. I, makes should I be doing yeah, that? You know, fire curious. leaves at us if, uh, you know, that, we get out of hand and you don't like the question, you know. Yeah, right. The other thing is we've all been doing this for, what, a year, these, these video chats, right? Can, can I just comment about still how awful my background is compared to everybody? Like, seriously, look at everybody's <laughs> beautiful background, all the sports memorabilia. I'm sitting in my living room because I don't have, like, a dining room table I've got a desk, but the background is even worse than this. Like, my wall, if you can see, has got one painting on it. As far as the eye can see, it's yeah, so embarrassing. So John, embarrassing. It's, it's, because, it's because you live the life, and we're just all pretenders. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> You're a little more busy. You're busier than us. Uh, it's, I need Absolutely. someone to come into my house and, like, just dress it up a little bit so that I'm not so embarrassed every time I'm on with people. It's terrible. Yeah, well, when you get married and your wife starts decorating things and she says, okay, have your man cave here. All your stuff goes to one place. Yes. yes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But uh, no, but it's it's great to be back. Uh, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I'm excited. I mean, there is there is a lot going on, and, and looking forward to talking about it all here tonight with you guys. Now, I, I do have a question. I think the last time we spoke with you that there was rumblings or right before, like, I guess my question is, how how long ago did you know that the Saints were going to go into the AAA with the Twins? I've been saying for 14 years now. That's how long I've worked for the Saints. I've been in minor league baseball for 20 years. Every time in the last 14 years someone has asked me, well, when are the Saints and the Twins going to you know, join up and, and be in an affiliation? And my answer has always been, I will be long gone Oh, wow. By the time that ever happens. So I'm just waiting for someone to fire me now that we are an affiliate of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, but, but to be honest with you, I probably felt confident this was going to happen when the Twins came to CHS Field and used it as their alternate site in uh, whatever it was, June, July, whenever they came over to use our alternate mm-hmm. site. That, that's when I thought, wow, this okay. could really happen. Okay. Uh, the deal was officially announced in December. Uh, and I think I think I officially knew about it maybe a month before that. Okay, so that, that yeah, was that, long ago. Yeah, that, there was there were a lot of eyes that needed to be dotted, T's needed to be crossed. And to be very honest with you, Major League Baseball needed to sign off on this. It, this wasn't as simple as the Twins and the Saints joining forces and saying, "Hey, this is the way it's going to be." Major League Baseball needed to sign off on the restructuring uh, of minor league baseball, and which which they wound up doing, and. Uh, you know, the, the the dollar amount hasn't been announced, and, and nor am I at liberty to say what it is. But mm-hmm. but there was there was financial, you know, compensation, if you will, for for the Saints to be uh, a minor league affiliate, and so that that all had to be worked out. So, like I said, I, I felt confident in, in about July, but but knew about it basically in November. I, I okay. tell you, it was pretty safe. So. I had a feeling. I had a feeling you might have knew about this way before, but you couldn't say anything. No, no. You know, there, so. you know, it's funny that the first inkling of this was, uh, boy, September of 2019, I think, or October of 2019. Yeah, around that time. JJ Cooper. Let me tell you guys. I don't know if you've ever had him on or if you've talked to him or whatever. Has is like the TMZ of the baseball world. Like this guy knows, and he's he's an amazing reporter. Uh, so I'm not knocking him by saying that. I, I'm just saying this guy knows everything. JJ Cooper did a phenomenal job. Uh, he writes for Baseball America, yep, and, and if you if you've never read him before, you have to because he is at the 
He's at the cutting edge of everything. But that was the first time that we were ever men- mentioned. This happened in, in, like I said, October of 2019, and we didn't know about this. Like it, it came as a. I'm, I'm not just saying that to play coy. We had no idea, and all of a sudden we show up in an article saying. Major League Baseball is looking to revamp all of minor league baseball, and there are two independent teams that, that are in the running to be affiliates. Um, and, you know, one of them was, you know, Sugar Land down in Texas, and the other was us. So there you go. That was the first I heard of it. Good job for JJ. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, just to just to clarify one minor point that you had there, well, maybe it was minor to us, maybe not minor to you guys. Um, so you said that there was compensation, uh, and not asking how much, but mm-hmm. are, are we talking about the, the Twins paying the Saints? No, 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 no. Or the uh, Saints paying the Twins? or no, uh, the no, association? Major, uh, yeah, you had to pay Major League Baseball to basically get into okay. uh, into this. and, and So, so the, the Saints had to pay Major League Baseball? Correct. Okay. Correct. And so, yeah, and and so as part of that, the, the Twins now, and again, this is widely reported, uh, and again, not at liberty to discuss the, the dollar amount, but the, the Twins are now a minority stakeholder in the St. Saint Paul Saints as part of this whole, you know, structure of paying into Major League Baseball. So, uh, so, so and, and which is a smart business move on the Twins side, right, because – and, and this is why I always told people that it, I'd be long gone before this affiliation ever happened. It was never as simple as the Saints and Twins joining force. The Twins own the territorial rights, uh, whatever, I think it's 50-mile radius or 75-mile radius, for any major league or affiliated minor league team coming in. The Saints were able to be there because they were independent for so long. So it wasn't as simple as the Saints or the, the Saints and the Twins joining forces because you got to think, the, the Saints are going to pull some of the um, the fan base. The Saints are going. The Saints and Twins are go. Will go for the same money when it comes to sponsorship. So, if you're the Twins, why wouldn't you have a minority stake now in your AAA affiliate, so that with this competition, and albeit you know, not not major competition, but minor competition for some of the same dollars, you're going to reap some of the benefits. I think it's a, it's a very smart business move by the Minnesota Twins to, to be a part of it. Now, with that said, our ownership group of Marv Goldklang, Mike Veck, and Bill Murray are still the majority stakeholders in the St. Paul Saints. And we can get into the fact that we're not going to change and all that other stuff, but but that, in a nutshell, is okay. is the way it looks. So. so we're going to see the same type of atmosphere, wacky characters, innovative promotions, uh, hopefully this year, if everything works out well. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot say this enough. I cannot scream it from the highest of mountaintops. I know Minnesota does not have mountaintops, but uh, but I, I cannot scream from the highest mountaintops enough that we're not going to change. There's nothing that's going to be different about us on the entertainment side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, matter of fact, I, I think I think there's some of us, including um, you know our, our lovable owner Mike Veck that wants to push the envelope so far that, that we get reprimanded for how far we've pushed the envelope. Oh, again, well. Because everybody expects us to change and, and to, to hold back. Uh, you know, we were a part of Twins Fest uh, this, this past weekend, and I, 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 we had a segment, and it was myself, our, our general manager, executive vice president, Derek Scher, and Mike Veck, and I spent our 25-minute uh, allotted time talking about failed promotions that, that Mike and Derek had been a part of in affiliated baseball, letting people know that this stuff goes on 
all over the place. And these were some outrageous promotions that just flopped for one reason or another. Um, you know, it just things like vasectomy nights, um, thing, things like, uh, what was it, like voodoo night on, on Good Friday or, you know, just things like this that just flopped but, but were funny and you took chances. So we're going to continue to do this stuff and we're going to continue to poke fun at ourselves, at the establishment, um, and and I don't think there's going to be anything that we're going to pull. I straight out asked Mike, I said, will you hold back when it comes to poking fun at Major League Baseball now that we're a AAA affiliate? And he said, no, not at all. He said, you know, we, we've done it before. We'll do it again. So there you go. Yeah, well, if it's any club that's going to do it, it's going to be – it's going to be somebody named Vec. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We'd expect so. no less from Mike Vec. That's me. right. No. Exactly. So, um, so since the news broke, Sean, what has your winter looked like, maybe maybe as opposed to past winters? Well, you guys know. I mean, in order to get this uh, interview done, you had to go through my agency. Um, so I have an agent now. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's a big deal. I, I, <laughs> I get appearance fees for all this stuff. So I appreciate you guys fronting the money on that. Yeah, you're getting um, a big cut of our proceeds. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right, Paul. You're getting a check in the uh, That's right. In the mail. Uh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. A bill, an invoice, not a that's check. Right. Uh, no, you know, to, to, to be honest, the, the announcement came late, right? It was the uh, first week of December, I think it was. So if you think about it, when a baseball season's in September, ends in September, you have October, November, December, before you, you turn the calendar and really, and you can ease into it. Well, the announcement came in December. We couldn't do anything. We couldn't do corporate sales. We couldn't, we couldn't do season tickets, you know, because we, we thought, hey, this, this is, you know, in the future here. You can't start selling stuff for something that doesn't quite exist yet. Um, so for me, it's been full speed ahead since this announcement. I spent a good two weeks, uh, you know, handling all the media requests, um, which I've been joking, you know, all of a sudden we've become a viable baseball team with uniforms and everything. I mean, we, we were 28 years, we were the St. Paul Saints, and I, I didn't have to deal with all the, the media requests that I've had to deal with the last, you know, couple of months. Um, no one, you know, no one's wanted to interview our manager so much. And that, that we can talk about that because if there's one negative side of this, this deal, it's that, and we can get into that. But, um, but for me, it's been uh, researching players. Um, so, which uh, obviously, you know, you don't know what your your team's going to look like until basically spring training breaks. But but you can have a good idea of, you know, the Twins have signed nine players to a minor league deal with uh, an invite to major league spring training. So you got to figure, you know, some of those guys, if not most of those guys, will be with you in AAA. They're not all going to make the the you know, 25 man roster or whatever they're deciding to make the roster this year. Um, you know, they're, they're not all going to make that. So you prepare for those guys. You know who the hot prospects are that everybody's talking about that could be at AAA. So you do research on those guys. You look at both Rochester's ro- roster and, and Pensacola's roster from 2019, the last time there was a season, and you start to play with guys that could wind up. So you're doing research on that. Um, we've done some uh, Facebook Live shows with our, our new manager, Toby Gardenhire. Uh, I did one a week ago with our hitting coach and, and infield coach, and I'm doing one uh, this Thursday, uh, the the fourth of February, with our two pitching coaches, which all which is a huge change. I, I've never been with an organization that had two pitching coaches, um, so there's something that you know that, that that's going to be new. But um, you know, so on the baseball side, it's been that. And then look, when you're in minor league baseball, I don't care that we're part of AAA now. There's there's a lot of other things you're asked to do. So I do sales. 
Um, I'm writing the program. I mean, again, that, that's a big undertaking that I always do every year. Uh, but now I have to start that from scratch, right? I mean, I used to be able to turn things over year after year, uh, but you got to start that from scratch. So th- there's a lot that's going on, and it's going to happen fast. And if the season starts on time, which right now it looks like it, we'll start somewhere in the first week of April, the beginning of the second week. Um, and so that's what two two months, nine weeks away. Uh, that that is that goes by fast in the baseball world. Hmm. Yeah, like you said, there are some changes uh, that come with being affiliate uh, with the Twins. Uh, what about fan reaction? People call in for tickets. I mean, how much more media are you getting? How much more ticket requests are you getting? Uh, the last season you guys played, you had close to 400,000 in attendance. What are you projecting for this season? Well, I'm not projecting anything for this season just because who knows you know, yes. what it's going to be. Oh, but, you're right, you're right. Yes. But, but in a normal season – I would think that we would surpass our best average attendance that we had in the first uh, five legitimate years at CHS Field. Um, Obviously, we'll surpass the overall attendance because we're going to play 22 more home games. But I think think our best year uh, was 8,200, I think, on average. I think we can easily get to 85, 8,600. And the ballpark seat's 7,210. Uh, when the announcement was made the first couple of weeks, we we had over 500 new season ticket inquiries. Uh, and that's just individuals. That, that's not to say that, that that wasn't a group of two or a group of four. That was just 500 submissions interested in season ticket information. Uh, now, again, you know, what, what that's going to look like this year is, is a different subject. But the interest is there. Not only that, you're going to see the, the single-game walk-up go through the roof, right, especially once our um, roster is announced. And if you if you get some of the guys that people are anticipating, you know, the Royce Lewis's of the world, um, playing for the St. Saint Paul Saints this year. Royce Lewis was a number one draft pick three years ago, four years ago now. Um, you know, People, Twins fans are now going to start coming out to Saints games. Before it was, uh, you know, a casual baseball fan, you know, maybe some Twins fans, but most it was, you know, family and entertainment and stuff like that. Now you're going to get a cross-section of those fans with the diehard Twins fans that are like, I can go spend, you know, $18 for a ticket to go watch, you know, four high-profile prospects before I, you know, go and watch them at Target Field. And I can go watch them in a more intimate setting, and I can say I saw them before they got to the Minnesota Twins. That's going to be the dynamic that's going to be very, very interesting. Um, and, uh, I mean, the excitement is real. It is there. You talk, you ask about the media side of things. I've never had so much uh, so many leaks, if you will, in terms of what could happen with the St. Paul Saints than I had in my first 14 years. Nobody cared about news coming out of St. Paul, right? Nobody. Now, everybody's trying to find out what league we're going to be in, who our manager was going to be. When, when this deal before it got done, I, there were so many leaks going out. It was like, I've never had to deal with this before. Now somebody's leaking stuff because people care. So that it's that's been interesting. I've already been told by both newspapers in town that we'll have a beat writer. Uh, I'm not even sure, you know, for the last 14 years I could spell beat writer. I mean, we just didn't wow, see them, right? 
Yeah, and so in the early years of the Saints, 93, 94, 95, when they first came about, they did have beat writers, but, you know, then the novelty kind of wore off and, and it went away. But but now I've had all the, the, the TV stations say, well, now we'll send people out to, to cover you. And, look, I love these guys. I've, again, I've been here 14 years. I know all of them, and I've already given most of them a hard time. But it's like – why Why didn't you care before? Like, those guys had great stories. Those independent ballplayers had great stories. I know you didn't recognize their names, but you should have cared because they all came from where you're about to cover. You're about to cover a AAA team. You know how many guys we had before that were on AAA teams, that were on AA teams, that were these high-end prospects that you're now going to cover that they used to be? So so that's the thing, that, you know, that, that kind of – when I look back, bothers me. But you know, now moving forward, they're they're going to cover these same guys. Yeah, it's it's amazing how all of a sudden the connection with the Twins, because you guys have been packing the men, you guys have been making waves throughout minor league baseball with your tenants. I've always told people that. Well, I can tell people now that CHS Field is my all-time favorite <laughs> minor league ballpark. I used to have to explain how it was sure. different, so now I get to say that. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sort of surprised that uh, the local Twin City media didn't take you guys a little more serious. It's no. not like you were, you know, a fly-by-night operation. You've been here since 1993. You built your own ballpark. The crowds are amazing. Yeah, and, it, again, it was just that they, again, nobody recognized the players, yeah. and, and winning and losing wasn't the biggest thing. You know, it was, the, it was the complaint that I had when I was in Fort Myers. Again, I spent four years with, with the Fort Myers Miracle, um, 2003 to 2006. And the Fort Myers media would obviously be there for spring training, right? It was the, the home of twin spring training. They would be out. They would be covering these guys. And then when our season started, they went away. And I thought to myself, in two, three, four years, these guys that are at high A are going to be at Major League Spring Training. Why wouldn't you be out here now covering these guys? And then when they get to Major League Spring Training, they're going to recognize you, and you're going to get the interviews that you want. Instead, you're never here. And then you're fighting with all these other, you know, Minnesota media folks when they come into town, and you're already behind the eight ball. It, it never made any sense to me. But uh, again, I've never worked in uh, at a news station before. I, you know, I don't understand the ins and outs of it. But this is the way it goes. Well, yeah, because I, I know when I used to, uh, I used to do some stringing work for a newspaper out in uh, Scranton, PA, and. I would go to Indianapolis, the games at Victory Field here in Indianapolis, and uh, the media director would say, "We don't have a beat writer, and and they're they're AAA." Yeah. But the Wilkes-Barre paper and Scranton newspaper would send two stringers out there to cover. Yeah. Uh, so he was just a little bit upset too because, yeah, why aren't you covering us? But I, I think with newspapers, it has to do with probably lack of subscriptions, you know, online media content. But it feels like this has always been the case. Yeah, it, it has. And, and and one more thing, Dave, before you ask your question, you know, when I, when I was in Fort Myers, what else was going on in, in Fort Myers, Florida in the summer? There's nothing. It's ungodly hot. What else are you going to do? I mean, you're going to cover the, you know, uh, what? There's nothing. There's literally nothing going on. Just send an intern. I don't care to, to cover us. So whatever. Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Rant. All right. Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that I think is going to be a little bit different for you is that you're now going to be part of a a bigger group, a bigger group of teams. So, uh, so how how tight are you with the guys in in Wichita, and and uh, and how much do you see yourself having to work with, you know, maybe the media guys, the Double A AA or Single A, or 
you know, trading info and, hey, this guy's coming up and this guy's going down and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, I I think a, a little bit. Uh, I mean, I, again, I, I'm trying to use my uh, years in this business uh, to, to kind of rely on. I, I spent four years in Fort Myers. And, and look, the, the world of minor league baseball has changed a hundredfold since I was there. But I remember when I was in Fort Myers, you know, th- there would be a little bit of back and forth between the double-A guy and the triple-A guy and, and myself and just information. But uh, but honestly, there, there wasn't a ton. But look, the, the broadcasting uh, realm is, is very tight-knit. And so, uh, you know, I don't, to be honest, I don't know if Wichita even has someone yet. Again, they were supposed to be a triple-A team last year. They didn't play. Now they're a double-A team. I don't know who's in place. Um, and, again, this is the weird thing, right, about this industry it is after last year a whole bunch of people were furloughed. And so a, a lot of guys, a lot of a lot of people don't have their jobs back yet. Um, uh, I mean, the one thing that I can tell you is – uh, there was a AAA broadcaster that sent an email around to to uh, basically a bunch of us just to kind of get the ball rolling and introduce and whatever. Um, but not everybody on that email was back working with their team, and, and so that's the weird thing right now that we're in. We're we're just in this this odd place. I, I'm hoping that once the the PDLs, uh, the player development licenses are signed off on, which I believe they have to be by next week. You had 30 days from the time you got them to sign off on them. I think the 30 days up is, is sometime next week. That now that, that a schedule will come out and these teams will start hiring people back. That It is the one thing. Uh, actually, there are many things I could say great about the St. Saint Paul Saints. But the one thing specific about the Saints is that I will brag about, that I will pat us on the back, um, is that we didn't furlough anyone, we didn't get rid of anybody, um, and that's a, a lot of it has to do with the, the hard work that we put in in the first five years uh, of CHS Field, um, how hard we worked, the sponsorship side of things, the season tickets, the, the attendance that we drew, we did well and, and were able to offset, not all, look, again, we, we all had terrible years last year, but they didn't furlough or, or get rid of anyone. And, and to the ownership group, to, to, to Derek, our, our general manager, kudos to them. Uh, I mean, because it would have been very easy to do so, um, and they didn't. And so I'm one of the lucky ones. I really am. I, and not only that, we played last year as an independent ball club. I was one of a handful of broadcasters in the country that actually got to broadcast last year. And I said this on opening night. I said, I will not take for granted the fact that I am getting a chance to broadcast, and each broadcast I do this year is for all, all those broadcasters that aren't getting to do this this year. And, and I, I meant that. It was true. I realized how lucky I was um, to do what I did last year and to work for an organization that, that I do. So it, it does not go unrecognized. So that's a long-winded answer to say, yes, eventually I would like to talk to those broadcasters, but, again, I'm not sure who's in place right now. Dave, I thought you had a question, so I was waiting for you. But, Sean, we've been focusing a lot on all the positives that are coming about with your affiliation. Are there any worries that now, you know, you used to have your own niche in St. Paul, and now that you're affiliated with the Twins, are you worried that you might perhaps be overshadowed by them now? 
by the Twins, being overshadowed by the Twins. I yeah. think, it, and again, look, this is a true partnership. This is a true affiliation. Um, but if I'm the Twins, I'm more worried about us than, than I am about the, the Twins, right? And, and for, for the simple fact of what we talked about, it's it's an odd competition now, but we are the, the more affordable place to go, right? Again, let, let's talk in a perfect world where you can open the ballpark to everybody. But we are the, the more affordable place to go. You have a chance to see some of these guys before they get to the major leagues. You have a chance to, to be in that more intimate setting. For us, it's brand new news for us that is exciting for us. For the, for the Twins, it's cool, but it's not going to add a bump to them. It, it's added a huge bump for us. Um, and we're going we're gonna to push it. The, they're going to have to, right? They're going to have to keep one eye on us wondering, what are they going to do, right? Like this crazy thing happened in the current events world. Are the Saints going to take a shot at this now? Do we have to? So, so I think there's that. But our, our general manager put this beautifully, and I couldn't have put it any better. He said, everybody wants to talk about the fact that the Saints have moved closer to the establishment. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't it be that the Twins are moving closer to the anti-establishment? And I, I couldn't agree more. And, and so much so that I had Dave St. Peter, uh, Twins president, on – uh, on, on Saints Live, our Facebook Live show, uh, a day or two after the, the announcement was made. And I said, let me ask you this. Would you ever have the Saints promotions team go to Target Field for a game and run the operation? And he said, you know what, that's not a bad idea. I, he said, I, I see no downside to that. Um, because the, the Twins have, and again, I've been to a handful of Twins games in my time here. you got to remember, I work during the baseball season. It's not like I can just go over to Target Field and watch a game whenever I want. Um, but they don't have a whole lot of between innings promotions and things like that, like especially on field stuff. So if you can bring that element over there and let's say add a, a twin sponsor to that, just say, Hey, we're going to give you extra added value, right? Uh, you know, uh, partner X and, and we did our promotions over there and brought that there. I'm telling you the, the twins are closer to moving in our direction than we are to moving to the Twins' direction. So, no, I, I don't worry. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, the point of my question, I guess, um, was I say on a random Wednesday night where the Twins are home and the Saints are home. Yeah. Would, uh, would you worry that you may about? end up with a crowd of, like, you know, 500 because everybody's watching or – No, so, so there was a day in 2019 where we played, the Twins played, and the United played, the, the soccer team out here. All of us sold out. We all sold out. There is en- there's enough to go around. That, that's what people don't understand about the Twin Cities. I, I've, I've ranted about this since I moved here. Everybody in the Twin Cities on, on a sports level wants to think of the Twin Cities as a mid-market like city. It's only mid-market, I think, and again, I'm not trying to crush any owners. I, I don't have money to buy a team. But it's only mid-market because it's based upon what they're spending. But they're the 16th largest media market in the country. There's enough people in the Twin Cities to go around, right? And it's not like we need to draw 25,000 people. We, we seat 7,210. But we were at 7,210. I think the United are like 18,000. And then Target Fields, whatever, 35,000, 40,000. 
and we all sold out. So no, not at all. I'm not worried. We've we, we've competed with the Twins on plenty of times since we moved into yeah. CHS Field, um, and we average 112 percent capacity over over five years. So yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. You guys have been competing with them for yeah. for quite some time. I know when the, the Saints first started, it was outdoor baseball was the attraction. Yeah. Uh, along with the other uh, other promotions, but also I, I think Minnesota is so darn cold during the winter that when <laughs> summer comes, everybody wants to be outside doing something. Yeah, so. yeah, for for <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's it's just one of those situations where we've got our niche. We're not changing from our niche, no, and, no. and people know what to expect. Yeah, because even the even the WNBA links, I think, draw. Oh, uh, they among the, they do phenomenal. Yeah, they draw tops. This, this is a very good sports town. Look, it's never going to be compared to, like, if you're looking at the Midwest to, like, St. Louis, which I've never been to, but I hear is, is an unbelievable sports town. It's never going to be compared to that, right? But you've got to give Minnesota sports fans a lot of credit. Look how much heartache they've gone through. Like, the last championship of the four major sports, right, of the four majors was 91 91. It was the Twins. Like, the Vikings have never won anything. Like, the Timberwolves certainly have never won anything. The Wild have been to, what, the conference finals, I think, once. I, maybe they played in the Stanley Cup finals. But the, no, just, no, they've never Yeah, played. so, so it's the Twins back in 91, that, that's it. Like, I mean, of the four majors, that's it. Wow. You're talking about the Timberwolves have made a career of winning the draft. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're the lottery chance. Yeah, lottery chance. How, 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 how well is that done when you draft four point guards in in, in the first round, right? Like you know. So. Um, one thing that I see being uh, different uh, for you guys, and I I, I see it kind of happening over over the AAA level at minor league baseball is. Uh, a lot more player movement. What kind of challenges do you think that's going to uh, give you? Like your the parent company is is down the road. It's going to be, you know, what, 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 do they use the term taxi squad in baseball? I know they're using it in like hockey and basketball, but essentially that's what a lot of these teams are going to have is a taxi squad. You know, like Toronto has a taxi squad because uh, they're so close. Um, you know, Cleveland and, and Columbus are close. Cincinnati and Louisville are close. And the pitching, to me, seems to be so bad in the majors. It's just like, well, let's just grab a guy from AAA. He can't be any worse than the three guys that we got in the bullpen. And what kind of challenges do you, do you see that uh, extended player movement ha- uh, bringing you? It's going to cause me a headache, I'll tell you that much. Uh, I mean, there's just – people don't understand, from my point of view, how much goes into every time a move is made. Um, and it's it will be a challenge. You know, when we are an independent club and our manager, who, who again, if there's one negative to this deal, it, it is the fact that George Samus, who manages the Saints for 18 years, uh, is one of my all-time most favorite people in the world. Um is basically is out of a job, um, not because he wasn't good enough or anything like that. The Twins have their guys, right? They are responsible for the players and the coaching staff. Um, if there are 99 positives to this deal, the one negative is the fact that George Samus and our coaching staff of Kerry Leitenberg and Oli Sheldon um, are, are, you know, will not be back. And that's to say nothing of our current manager and, and coaching staff. Um, you know, they, they seem like great guys, but I've been with George for 14 years. I've been with Oli for eight or nine and with, with Lighty for, you know, 
seven or eight. So it's sad. Like, I mean, you build a rapport with those guys. Um, but people don't understand how much work goes into every time a, a player movement happens. That was the great thing about being independent ball club. George would let me know a day or two before something happened. I could prepare for it. The moves from AAA to the majors will will be six o'clock for a seven o'clock game, right? Mm-hmm. Like we got to get yeah. a guy over here, and so we're we're grabbing you know player X from AAA for him to drive, you know the the 25 minutes across town. Uh, and now the lineup changes, and now, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just or, – or vice versa. You know, the guy gets demoted and has to get in the lineup because he needs his four at-bats type of thing. And now I'm scrambling to let the media know and do my research on this. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And, again, I'm not complaining. I love my job. But there will be more now than I've ever had to deal with in the 14 years of independent baseball. Couldn't you see it where the, the fans are heading to the Twins game and then sitting right beside them on public transit is the starting pitcher who's coming over from St. Paul? We, we joked about the, the green line connects. Yeah, the green line. Yeah, the green line connects. So Metro Transit, green line connects. Uh, CHS Field, two blocks away, is their beginning or end, depending on how you look at it. And on the other side, the end is Target Field. It literally connects the two ballparks. Um, yeah. It, it does take – what's that? How far apart are the two parts? Ten point six miles. It is. It that is might the, be the closest. It is the closest affiliation, uh, and, and there is some debate on if it's the closest affiliation ever. I think someone told me, and and I believe it was a Saber person, so you, you have to ask the experts on this. But it was like the Yankees had like a, a de facto affiliate for like a, a either a half a year or a year. I think it was the Yankees. I could be wrong on that, but it was like a de facto affiliation for some reason, like many, 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 many years ago that was a little bit closer than this. Um, but as far as, like, an extended affiliation, this is, from what I can tell, the closest ever. And I'll continue to use that until someone tells me I'm wrong. Um, but, yes, it is 10.6 miles. It is officially currently the closest affiliation. Uh, I think green line to green line to one end to the other, I think it's like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. That's so actually quicker to drive. Um, but it is a cool story if, if we ever need to do that. So. No, you I think set that, up some day night double headers there, huh? Well, and that that is yeah. So those will happen, right? There's going to be one o'clock on one end, seven o'clock on the other, and you know you 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 get on the green line. Um, and we've already been doing that with the twins. Again, people don't understand. We've had a pretty good working relationship with the twins for uh, for quite a while. I mean, we really have. Uh, you know, it wasn't always this way. But I came from Fort Myers, right? Which again, twins affiliate for you know many many years. Our GM came from Fort Myers. Um, you know, we owned the Fort Myers Miracle for a number of years up until about three or four years ago. So, again, a lot of dealings with the Twins when you're their high affiliate and their spring training home. So, so this relationship had been growing for many years now. Um, Dave St. Peter has been there, it feels like, 100 years. I mean, he was, he was with the Twins when I was in Fort Myers, you know, 15 years ago now. So he'd been there forever. Um, obviously, you know, the – Falvey and Levine, you know, those guys are relatively new, but the poll lads have owned the team for a while. There are a number of guys in the front office that, um, you know, that either worked for the Saints and now do the Twins or just have been around for a while. So um, so this is a solid relationship. So the one and seven o'clock, uh, you know, sort of cross crossover, we've done that the last, you know, two, three years. So. Dave, you had something? I'm sorry I just talked over you there. No, that's all right. I was going to say, I think I think, uh, I think, think the Blue Jays had a closer affiliation last year where 
Like they just played in their Triple A park, so sure, sure. Can't get any closer than that. Yeah, different last year, right? Because I mean, it was it wasn't really their affiliate, right? It was just what they called them as the alternate site type of thing. But yes, you you are right. And actually, the the uh, the alternate site for the Blue Jays wasn't even in Buffalo. It was in uh, it was in Rochester. So all of the you know taxi squad or whatever, like they were all playing their practice games in in Rochester up the road. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, let's hope we never have. It's to a go crazy year. Last year, yeah, last <laughs> yeah. year was. And look, there there are a lot of questions for this year. I mean, as you, as we're all speaking today, you know, the the Major League Baseball Players Union uh, turned down Major League Baseball's second proposal, I guess, for the 2021 season, which means that they play under the the current, you know. Uh, bylaws, which is to say 162 games, spring training starts on time. Uh, the only thing that needs to be ironed out, I guess, is is the player protocol for, for COVID and all that, which again, if Major League Baseball starts on time, AAA is scheduled to start on time. But there is still, you know, rumblings out there that they might hold off for a few weeks and then AAA would start sometime in May, which to be honest, would not be the end of the world. Uh, you know, this will this will be the way it is going forward. Games in April in Minnesota, not the most ideal, but you know, if for the first year we held off to um, you know May for the first year, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But I think everybody wants to get started. We just want to play. We want to be able to have you know whatever fans in the ballpark. So, so are you uh, hoping for road trips to Tacoma or to Durham? I'm hoping for a road trip to Vegas, to be honest with you, but I, I don't know. <laughs> Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis, come down yeah. here. You know, I, I, to be honest, I, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I know what you're getting at here. I, I honestly do not know which which route we're going. Found us. Yeah, uh, I, I honestly don't know which route we're going, um, and, and I wish I did. Uh, my guess is whatever happens this year, though you're going to play a lot more regional games than you will going further out to the coast. So even if we're a part of, uh, let's say, the Pacific Coast League, you're going to play teams in the Pacific Coast League that are closer to you. If you're part of the International League, you're going to play teams just closer. And you may not travel out as far because, obviously, because of uh, you know everything that's going on, which I think is smart. I think that's the way to do it. Uh, I'm trying to convince our general manager to, to charter us everywhere, get a charter flight, you know, go big league. Um, I highly doubt that's going to happen because that's pretty expensive. Uh, but you don't, you don't need a charter to go 40 games in Des Moines and 40 games in <laughs> Omaha. But by by league rules, you do. See, that's the thing, right? By by the new bylaws, anything over 350 miles, you have to fly. And I think from us to Iowa is like 365. It's like right on the outside. Oh wow! Well, but yeah, you're right on the money, Sean. Because when I started, I worked a dozen years for the Pawtucket Red Sox. Yeah. When I started, every trip was a bus trip. Yep. When I was done, I think we only had maybe two or three bus trips. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thing that I'm hearing again, like I. I hear the same rumors you guys do. I read the same things you guys do. But I'm rooting for this. What I've heard is six on, one off. That that one day a week will always be an off day. So let's say every Monday for the sake of this. Yeah, every Monday is an off day. And then you play six straight games against the same team in the same city. Ooh. So a road trip, instead of like going – you know, a three-game trip, hop on a plane, go to another city for another three-game trip, hop on a plane, come back home, whatever. It's six games in one city, and it lessens the travel. And if if I knew right now that we'd play six on, one off, and 
stay in one city for six days, I'm signing up not only for that now, but every season from here on out. You don't understand how much easier that makes things for, for everybody. I'm rooting for that. Well, that's great. You've got some great destinations in either league, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's, that's, I guess that's how it was in Hawaii, when Hawaii had a triple-A team. Yeah. The team would go out there for six days. Yep. Uh, who wouldn't want to spend six days in Hawaii a few times a year? But, uh, hey, we, we have a question from one of our listeners. Can I ask first that? Time, or you got a long time? First time, long time? First time, long Oh, no. No. Oh, it's yeah, first time. You know what? This is a long time listener. Okay. Long time listener from, uh, from Sydney, Australia. Ah. So definitely probably are, are, uh, a listener from the furthest drink. I'm, uh, I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do what everybody else would do when they hear that and try to do an Australian accent. That, that's yeah. not fair to them. So go ahead. Well, you've had Void on the podcast. Yeah, you could. Yeah, as I read this, I got to stop too to, to yeah. do my uh, <laughs> to do my accent. Well, he writes, "Good day, fellas." Uh, his question is, "What would happen if the Saints had not partnered with the Twins or a Major League Baseball club?" Uh, was it a realistic realistic option to maintain the status quo and remain in indie ball? Great question. What, who, who asked that? What was the person? Lloyd Rothwell of Sydney, Lloyd. Australia. Lloyd, that's a fantastic question. Uh, the answer to that is a thousand percent. We would have stayed independent. We didn't need to do this, right? And, and that's been the big question. Why would you guys do this? Like, what are you doing? Uh, we didn't need to do this. Um, and and we could have stayed independent. It's not like that by us partnering with the Twins, by us being the AAA affiliate, that all of a sudden we're going to go from 2,000 fans to 8,000 fans, right? That's not like we already draw 100%, 112% capacity. So we would have stayed independent. We would have been extremely successful, just like we have been. And both of us would have gone about our businesses, and the Twins would have had to find another AAA affiliate home. Um, you know, probably Wichita. Maybe at that point, Wichita would have stayed a Triple A team. Like I feel bad for Wichita, right? They were a Triple A affiliate last year, never played one game, and now we're a Double A affiliate. Now again, in the grand ballpark, scheme, yeah, correct. In the grand scheme of things, look, it shouldn't matter if you have a good business model. You have a good business model. It doesn't it? Shouldn't matter what level of play you're at. Now, Double A may play like four or six less games. So again, you're you're you know when all when all is said and done, you're playing two or three less home games, but nothing would have happened. We would have stayed independent, and that would have been that. And and we would have both gone about our business, and that's the way it would have worked. So what's uh, your opinion then on these uh, these teams who have lost their affiliation and, and are now kind of – well, I mean, we've seen a number of different options. Some are just rolling right into it, indie ball or uh, yep. collegiate league. Uh, some are suing. Uh, mm-hmm. What are you? What are your thoughts on these guys? Yeah, I, I can't speak much on the on the suing th- side of things. I, I don't. Uh, you, I, I don't. I'm not in those markets, so I don't know what they're suing over or why um, or how that's going to turn out. I'm, look, I'm not a. I'm not a lawyer. I don't live in those areas. I'm not a part of those you know places. The teams I feel bad for, like, and I know there's more than than just this, but like Staten Island. Uh, is now no longer, right? I know there are a couple others like that. Like, those are the ones you legitimately feel bad for. You were uh, you were a team. Now you have no team in that area. So, like, I legitimately feel bad for, for those people. If you are an affiliated ball club, and now you are a collegiate wood bat league team or an independent league team, and if you're saying this is going to ruin us, okay, what you're saying is our business model sucks. Right now, I will agree if you were playing 70 home games and now you're playing 35, 
I agree with you. Yes, right? You're now playing 50% of your games where you generate a lot of income, so a lot of revenue. So, yeah, for sure, if that's the case. But if you're either playing similar amount of home games or more home games and you're complaining about this or you're saying we're not going to survive or whatever the case may be, you're telling me your business model is terrible. It should not matter when it comes down to it what players are wearing your uniform. Minor league baseball, for the most part, is not based upon who's wearing the uniform. It is based upon your business model, how you can entertain fans and drive fans out there. Sure, if you're a Yankees affiliate and and you're in the Northeast, a la a team that we own in Hudson Valley that went from the Rays to the Yankees, yes. Are you going to see an uptick? For sure. If you're the Saints and you're now the AAA affiliate of the Twins, are you going to see an uptick? Sure. But it's not going to be so substantial that you are basically saying our business model doesn't mean anything. What matters is the, the, the guys that are wearing the uniform and the number one draft pick. Because here's what it comes down to. And I, I, I speak to college classes and high school classes all the time. The difference between the Saints and the, and, and the Twins or the Saints and the Timberwolves or the Saints and the Vikings or whoever it is, you care whether those teams win or lose. You have an emotional investment in it, right? Paul, you're, you're wearing a, a Patriots jersey, right? You care whether the Patriots win or lose, right? You're Ooh. a diehard, right? <laughs> but, but you care. You, you've emotionally invested yourself into that team. I am a diehard Dodger fan, right? I rode the emotional roller coaster since 88 to – Hope that this did, right? Most fans are not emotionally invested in their minor league team or in their independent league team. They don't care whether they win or lose. They're not checking the scores every day. They may look at certain players, but their weekend is not ruined if they've gone to a game that that team lost, right? It is, if in this area, you know, the Vikings lose three in a row, right? People are miserable. People want Kirk Cousins to, you know, have his head, right? So that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. People, there isn't the diehard care whether they win or lose if you're if you're a minor league team. The old Seinfeld routine, right? Exactly. You know what? I think there are some spots where I get, I'm going to have to disagree. Uh, Fire away. The, there have been some minor league markets – that have basically told their major league affiliates to go away mm-hmm. because they have provided them with poor players for a heck of a long time. Okay. And it it seems to me that those would be examples of markets where, yeah, their, their fan base is invested whether they win or lose. It's such a small, minute amount that, that again – if you're looking to increase your attendance by a couple hundred, then yes, sure. But if you're looking to increase your attendance by a couple hundred, you're you're and you're going from let's say 1,400 to 1,600 or 1,800 to 2,000, your your business model is not a good one. That that's what I'm saying. It, it's there are so many other things more important than the person that's wearing your uniform. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay, let, let's just use this, right? Let's say we cared about the player wearing the uniform. And Royce Lewis, again, who, who people can't stop talking about in this area, hoping to play for the St. Paul Saints. How long is Royce Lewis going to play for the St. Paul Saints before he gets called up to the major leagues? 
right? So if you're banking on said players to be the whatever, Aaron Judge, right, before you know he became Aaron Judge and was probably hitting 500-foot moonshots in, in minor league baseball, and it was cool to see him, right? How long is he there before he goes up? You know how many Tim Tebow's are, there are in the world that are actually going to make a difference? One, Tim Tebow. That, that's it, right? You may see an uptick like, let's say, and again, I hate talking like this because I never want to talk about anyone getting hurt, but let's say M- Miguel Sano gets hurt, and he does a three-game rehab in St. Paul. Now, will a bunch of people come out to, to see that game or those games? For sure. But it's not a season-long thing. Right, You're able to capture it for two or three days, and that's great. Again, don't get me wrong. It's great for the bottom line, but it is not sustainable for 72 home games. You have to have a good business model because players are going to come and go. Guys are going to get called up, and they're not going to be there for that long. You can't rely on it year after year after year. There are going to be some years where, yeah, you get the stud. And, and I would argue that this year in St. Paul, the Twins want to stack the Saints. Why? Because they want to prove that this is a great partnership. And look at this. Look at how great this is. So I, I, I'd argue that, that we may see a stacked team, at least to start. I don't think it'll be – because they, they don't care, right? If a guy is performing, why are you going to leave him in St. Paul? They, they don't care whether the Saints win or lose. But they, I think we'll see a stacked team. But you cannot rely on that. Your business model has to be sound, fundamental, and it has to be entertainment-driven in the, in the minor league baseball world. Well, I think that's what Bill Vex said when he uh, yeah. was with the Chicago Cubs in the 1930s. I yeah. can't control the, the players. I can control what goes on at Wrigley Field. So he yep. wound up playing in Ivy. Yep. So that all came from that ad. But, but, Mark, you bring up a good point, and, and I use this all the time. And, and, and here's why I'll, I'll go back, Dave, and, and say this. If you are going to invest whatever it costs, 50 60 $70, to go to a Major League Baseball game, and in August – your team's 15 games out of a playoff race. Are you going to go spend your hard-earned money to go watch them? Probably not because, again, they're out of it. You, you're emotionally invested. You're talking to but, the wrong crew here. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 again, look at attendance in August and September of teams that are not in the hunt, right? Just look. I mean, the, the, the facts are there. But for us, nobody cares whether we win or lose. And so – Fans just, they come out because they're not emotionally attached to that. And, and that's what I'm talking about. That there, there is a difference in, in terms of being emotionally invested and not. And in minor league baseball, they're not as emotionally invested. Yeah, you're going to get you. Look, we have a fan base that's emotionally invested. We have a fan base that's distraught about the fact that we've, we've met, we're now affiliated with the Twins because it's going to be different for them. And the players aren't going to have the same storyline. And winning is not going to be the utmost important thing. And I get that. But, again, it's such a small amount that that's not viable for business if you're relying just on that. Yeah, I remember I was talking with uh, the GM of the Florence Yalls. Yeah. When they got rid of the peanuts, mm-hmm. uh, they said, well, no, you know, are you really invested in watching a Florence game? Maybe at a major league level, you're keeping score, you're eating yeah. the peanuts. People just will move on to something else. So, I mean, from that aspect, yeah, you're there for fun, you're there for the, the entertainment. Uh, you know, I live in Indianapolis. I saw Andrew McCutcheon play. Uh, I don't think most people knew who he was initially. I knew. I knew he was a stud, and it was cool to see him. Uncle Larry. Move up and become a, become a star in Pittsburgh. But you're right. You know, fan, you're out there for entertainment. And, and uh, you, know, you know, Dave 
Dave's right as well. There have been some minor league clubs that said, hey, we don't want to be affiliated with you anymore because of the player development. But I don't know how much that hurt the attendance because Indianapolis switched from Milwaukee to Pittsburgh quite a few years ago yeah. because of that. But I think Indy has always drew has always drawn well. But again, so I, 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 I would argue I would argue the people that are saying that that are saying we're getting rid of the affiliate because you give us garbage players again don't trust their own business model. Again, that, if you don't have that, you don't have anything. Uh, look, I, I'll give credit. We, when we won the title in 2019, um, and, and maybe this is me humble bragging, but I had come up with an idea to do a one-block, one-minute-long parade. Yeah, Why? Because nobody cares that we won the championship, and if you do a, a three-mile-long parade that finishes downtown, nobody's coming to that. But if you, we did a one-block, one-minute-long parade, which was different. It was quirky, and we packed both sides of the street, right, because it's different, it's funny, it's, it's cute, and it lasts one minute, which is about the attention span that something like that for, for our team should get. And it was like, again, I hate complimenting myself on an idea, but it was brilliant, and it worked well. And then the, the news came out and covered it live. They, they covered a parade for one minute live. It was, it was amazing. But that's the difference. We get a one-minute parade, a major league team gets two hours that ends at the ballpark in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Oh, Dave, are you up in Toronto? Did I hear that correctly? Do you live in uh, yeah, I'm Kitchener outside of Toronto. Yeah. Okay, could you imagine for a moment what that province would be, that city would be like, if the Maple Leafs won the Stanley Cup? Could oh, you imagine yeah. for yeah, a moment? Uh, they set everything on fire, yeah. and and <laughs> hey, maybe maybe that's the way to get rid of the virus. Is they were close <laughs> the they just they just set everything on fire. And, do me a favor, burn it out. <laughs> do me if do me a favor. If you win the Stanley Cup, can you burn that reverse retro with it and never ever <laughs> ever, ever ever wear it again? <laughs> Gray with blue numbers is so oh, easy boy. to read. Oh yeah, that was that's a that's that's terrible. Oh. Well, well, since we're talking about. Business plans. There's uh, ten Appalachian League clubs that have to rebrand yep. and are in the midst of it. Uh, we've seen uh, original, older names come back. We've seen the Sock Puppets in Burlington, <laughs> Johnson City Doughboys. What kind of advice you would give to those clubs who have to kind of market the old-fashioned way? Yeah, look, think as far outside the box as you can and take chances. Uh, you know, we we just left the American Association. Uh, the the now former Kansas City T-Bones did a brilliant, brilliant – this is – look, I, I, I think the sock puppets are great. I think it's funny. I think whatever. The Kansas City T-Bones did the best rebrand that anyone can ever do. Uh, like, uh, again, it, it, if someone can top it, great. They joined forces with the Negro League Baseball Museum, grabbed an old team name from the Negro Leagues, in the Monarchs and have rebranded themselves as the Kansas City Monarchs. This is absolutely brilliant, unbelievable. And that so many times today, teams rebrand just to rebrand, right? Like you see this all the time. And so much so that now teams are doing it for a game. I think what was it, a team in Fresno that became the Tacos and that became a running gag and, and still is a running gag. Oh, we did a whole episode about yeah, that. And yeah, and so, again, whatever. That, but teams are rebranding. It was, man, when was this, 2018, I think? It was either 2017 or 2018. I was so fed up with this, with all these teams rebranding, that I went to our general manager and I said, I've got a great April Fool's press release I want to put out. 
And I said, I want to put out a press release saying that for all 50 home games, we're going to have a different name. Basically just poking fun at everybody rebranding. And we did, like, we put together 50 different names. (laughs) And it was an April Fool's joke, but people loved it. They loved it. So much so that we decided to take the five, what we thought the five best names were, let people vote on it, and we changed our names uh, to to that uh, for the year. And we did it again the, the next year. We took one of the names and just renamed it. But we were poking fun at what everybody's doing. But the Monarchs, it's absolutely br- – I, I, seriously, I part of me wishes I was still in the league so that I could see what they're going to do because I guess they're bringing like a, a, a traveling exhibit yeah, with them. Yeah, traveling exhibit with them. Oh, wow. Look, on so many levels – and it's, it's one of my great regrets in all the times that we went to Kansas City – uh, in my years in the American Association, I think they were a part of the American Association for seven years or so, give or take. Um, then I never went to the Negro League Baseball Museum for for no other reason than oh, look. Oh, you missed out. Yeah, I, I, yeah for sure. And it doesn't mean I it doesn't mean I still can't go, but but uh, people think that you know when you're on the road, you're doing all this stuff. Like I'm stuck in my hotel. <laughs> I, look, I'm 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 literally I'm working. This is not a vacation, so it's not unless it's outside my hotel or within five minutes away. Uh, for me to go grab food, uh, I don't go do it. I, I'm and not that Austin. person. Correct. So, um, but but I really do wish that that I had taken that opportunity to to, to go. Um, but I, I love this. And so for the all these other teams, if you're going to be a part of a new league and and you're rebranding yourself because you you don't want to be associated now with the the former affiliated team name that you have, be outside the box, creative. Come up with something that's going to be, uh, you know, you can sell merchandise too. I think one of the best-selling merchandise was the Montgomery Biscuits when they initially came out. I think they did exceptionally well. Um, who is it? Uh, is it Casper in Wyoming that are the Casper Ghosts? Is that what they well, are? I think. They used to be. It, it, correct, uh, yes. Yep. But, but again, the, I'm sorry, the Trash Pandas in uh, Rocket City, yep, I think they sold, what, a million dollars in merchandise? They've yep. never played a game yet. Correct. Well, the trash pandas. It's they haven't. They haven't. Yeah, but these are the things that I, when I look at teams and I'm like, all right, you get it. Like, you don't have to be the XYZ major league team name, right? And I've joked with, again, talking about uh, – Come out to Worcester. <laughs> what are they? I don't even know. what, what Red Sox. Red Sox. Oh, they're, so they're still the Worcester. Red well, Red they actually ran, you know, some focus groups and some polls and – the fans wanted Red Sox. Yeah. Okay. yeah but, I mean, you're talking about a very historic uh, area, a very historic team name, something that, you know, again, people are passionate about. And, and you've called yourself the Red Sox for so many years in, in Pawtucket that, uh, when you moved. But, you know, I, I've joked, you know, for this year that I just want to put out an April Fool's saying that we've renamed ourselves to the St. Paul Twins uh, mm-hmm. because everybody thinks that that's what we're doing, that we've changed our name because when we, when we announced – uh, our manager and our coaching staff, they were all wearing Twins uniforms because they haven't been with us yet. And so these were stock photos that the Twins had took. And people were like, look, see, you guys are already changing. Look, oh, the boy. Twins name. And I'm like, you know what? We should just put out an April Fool's press release saying that we've changed our name to the St. Paul Twins and just see how people react just to troll people. So I, I have not gotten that sign. We'll, we'll be on the lookout yeah. a couple months sounds, for that. Sounds like your biggest complaint about the baseball season is that there aren't enough April Fool's days. <laughs> look, I'm, but that's that's the way your mind has to work. Um, and, and look, I, I 
I don't want to work for any other general manager. I've worked for, for Derek Scherer for 14 years. Uh, this guy allows me a, a whole lot of autonomy. Um, heck, I gave away $10,000 of, of the Saints' money uh, when I came up with the idea of posting on Twitter that if a 16 seed beat a one seed, we'd give away 10 grand, and it never happened before, and then it happened. Um, but of course, the, the the media attention we got was worth well more than 10 grand for that. Yeah. Um, so, look, you're always trying to push the envelope. He's a little more on the conservative side when it comes to things like that. But you can you can push the envelope with him. But that's his job as a GM, right? It's just to try to rein it in a little bit. Um, but I give him credit. We did the uh, the the Astro uh, the Grouch talking bobblehead or talking collectible last year, which was based off of the Houston Astros. That was his idea. He came up with it, and it's a it's the it's a semi lookalike of the Astro mascot in a trash can with his eyes kind of peeking out. The antennas coming up at the top again. The Astros mascot, and then you push a button, and it says. Fastball, curveball, changeup, and so that that was a thing. And I tell you what, we had this so perfectly lined up last year that we were going to do the giveaway on the same day that the the Astros and Twins were playing across town at Target Field. Of course, COVID ruined all of this, and um, you, you know you should have put the voice, the the Siri voice, doing the the call. Uh, it, the the voice was mine actually in the worst. <laughs> Uh, Oscar the Grouch uh, impression that you could do. But, it, you know, again, it's a collectible that people love. When we came out with the idea, we got national attention for it. It was his idea. So, so look, you always look to push the envelope. Um, and and then, you know, look, he gets final say on if it, if it happens or not. So uh, you, you had mentioned before, hopefully, you know, we're back to somewhat normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, if we do get back to normal, are you uh, planning on – reinvigorating the the second best podcast going or <laughs> uh the short answer to that is i would like to the longer answer is we'll have to wait and see uh look that and i appreciate you bringing it up look the voice behind the voice was was something that i am extremely proud of for, for people that don't know and i'm not really sure why most people would know but it was me sitting down face to face with broadcasters from the four major sports and NCAA. And I I had come up with this idea because I felt like everybody knows these broadcasters because they bring you your team into your home, but how much do you really know about them in general? And so it was the voice behind the voice to to let people talk about their story, how they got to where they are, humorous things that have happened along the way, But I vowed when I first started that podcast that I would be different than any podcast out there. And I guess I took a page out of Mark Maron, uh, for people who don't know, he does the WTF podcast. um, But I took a page out of his where every interview he did was face-to-face. And I felt like there was something very personal in doing that with these broadcasters, some of which I looked up to, some of which you always wanted to sit down, some of which I – didn't know anything about. And I did 196 episodes that ran over about four years. And I felt that what I got from people sitting across from them in person was better than I could ever get them any other way. And I even had some broadcasters that like, you know, I know I'm coming into town. I just don't have the time. 
you know, do you want to do it over the phone or do you want to do it over video chat? I, I turned him down and I was like, no, uh, I'll be doing this for a while. Next time you're in town, we'll do it, whatever. Um, and for the most part, I did. And look, I, I didn't have anyone chasing these people down. I did all my legwork. I reached out to every single communications director to set these things up. Um, and and I was, I'm very, very proud of that podcast. It was a lot of work for the simple fact that I did research on all these guys as if they were a player and I was about to do a broadcast and I had to know this stuff because I felt like if I sat across from a broadcaster and said, so tell me how you got started, they'd shut down immediately. I knew their story. I knew how they got to where they, they got to. I knew every little detail about them, and I led them down a path, but I let them decide what road they wanted to take. Uh, and I got more comp- – the, new, the, the moment I knew that I had something was my second ever interview that I think turned out to be like the fourth or fifth podcast was with Paul Allen, the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, longtime voice of the Minnesota Vikings. And after he and I got done, at the very end of that podcast, he looks at me and he says, this is the best – interview I've ever been a part of. I've never sat down with anyone more prepared than you. And I thought to myself, I've got something here. Like, it, I just know, got this. It almost turned into, like, a shtick. Uh, yeah. Because at, at some point, the your guest would be like, oh, yeah. wow, you've really done your research. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. No, you bring up a great point. It, it's true. But you could, I could always tell. Because most guys didn't know. Most, most broadcasters did not know. Even though I sent an email to the communications director Nobody read the, the entire email. So most broadcasters didn't know what this was. They had no idea. And I could always see, always see when the light bulb went on with them, when they realized that they just weren't sitting down with some, you know, schlub that just wanted to ask a few. I could always see when the guard and the wall came down because they were like, wow, this guy did his homework. I'll tell one quick story about this where the tables were reversed on me and I, I just I was floored. Uh, Doc Emmerich, who uh, was, I think it was episode, it was either, I think it was episode 50. But Doc and I were scheduled to sit down the night before the Blackhawks and Wild were playing at the XL Energy Center. But his flight got delayed for weather. So now he was coming in on game day. So he called me up and he said, hey, now I got to come in on game day. Can we do it after the morning skate? Look, you tell me I can do it five minutes before you go on the air, and all you have for me is five minutes, and you're Doc Emmerich. I'm telling you, yes, okay? So, yes, of course. He said, I'll tell you what. I'll take you to lunch, and then we'll we'll do the podcast. And Doc Emmerich just invited me to lunch. Oh, I'm going to say no. All right. So, <laughs> oh, I don't want to. No, I'm busy, Doc. Now, now, mind you, I've done all this research on Doc. I know Doc inside and out. So I walk in. Doc greets me. We're walking into the restaurant. And Doc says, so I, I see that you do more for the Saints than just play-by-play. And he starts rattling off this information about a, a, an article that was written about me like two years ago. And I'm like, I'm about to interview one of, if not the greatest NHL announcers in modern day, and this guy's done his research on me. And I was floored. I didn't know what to say. So we sit down for lunch, and I joke to this day, it was the worst first date I've ever had. I know everything about Doc, but I don't want to bring any of it up, right, because you want the answers to be natural. I don't want to ask him about hockey because that's all he ever talks about. So now I'm in my own head, and I'm like, well, what do I talk to Doc Emmerich about? I have no idea. And it was just like I felt so awkward in that moment 
because I just didn't know what to talk about. And, and look, to Doc's everlasting credit, and everything you hear about him is true, at least in my hour and a half, two hours I spent with him, he is a genuinely nice guy, made me feel very relaxed, made me feel very comfortable. Um, but I just, I got so, it's the only interview I've actually been nervous for. The first 10 minutes of the interview, I was so nervous because I'm thinking, I'm sitting down with perhaps the greatest wordsmith ever, and I'm afraid I'm going to forget the English language while I'm talking to him. And it took me about 10 minutes to finally get over that. So well, that was, I, I remember that one distinctly. That was a really yeah. good one. Yeah. So, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for all the boys and say, hey, if you want to bring us to, up to Minnesota so that you can have us on your podcast, you know, face-to-face, we're, we're there. Once, there you go. <laughs> Once no the doubt. border opens. No <laughs> I've been doing this since 2008. Please interview yeah, right? me. I'm only yeah, nine right? hours away by please, car. Please interview me. Yeah, there you go. You, you might not want to do a whole lot of research on Dan, though. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but, but that's the other thing, right, is – the other part to this is I, I do these all in person. When is that time going to become where people are going to be comfortable sitting across from somebody? It was it, the last interview I did. I think it was. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. The, the last one I did, I think I think Vegas was in town, um, and it was like the night before the NHL got shut down. So, <laughs> like, here we are. We, we did the interview. We're done. And you don't even think anything about it, right? You hear about you the virus, about all this stuff going on, and then, and then everything gets shut down. But now it's going to be so long before anyone's really going to want to spend an hour sitting six feet across from you. So, Sean, if you could see who I have to sit across the table from every day, <laughs> I've got no worries. Trust me. Uh, look, I'd be happy to sit across from someone. I have nobody around here. Yeah. <laughs> so... You know, okay, yes. It looks like Dave's question has led us right down the path to where we're uh, we're back home, huh? Although it looks like Dave, it looks like I interrupted you again. Did you have? Uh, no, I was I was just gonna say, um, you know, in in, a, in all honesty, I, you know, I I did kind of facetiously say, you know, you fire up the second best podcast, but uh, I I have listened to a number of of episodes. Um, they're they're great for the garden. My wife's happy because instead of like a, you know a little fifteen minute job in the garden, now I got to do an hour and a half to get to to get through the whole thing. But uh, what you were talking about, you know, sitting across from someone, um, you know that that really does come through. You know, you sometimes you even hear like the clinking of the dishes and whatnot. Yeah. And and in other media has sort of taken that same sort of thing, right? Like you, I, I think there's a, a wrestling show. Where you know, like a bunch of guys just sit around and they eat dinner and they and they talk about whatever for three, wh- whatever. That's the one where the guys their, eat the hot chicken wings and ask questions. Oh yeah. No, 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 that's separate. There's an actual show on the network, WWE Network, called Dinner for Three, where they pick three wrestlers that are associated with each other, either personally or in the ring or company wise, and they just eat dinner and discuss their that's careers. Pretty, that's stuff. a pretty cool idea. It's but a really it's a, good show. It has a it has just a totally different feel and and uh, Sean I, I I got that feeling um, with your podcast and I and I really did enjoy it I learned about hey you know I learned about you know Joe Bowen and Eric Smith and yeah. and Ben Wagner and guys who are you know like would I ask some guy in Minnesota about those guys No probably not I you know I'm in Canada they're around the corner and and yeah. I learned a ton. Uh, about about those so um so kudos to you and i i do hope you get a chance to 
fire it up again because I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the podcast. I, I appreciate if not, that, yeah. that's okay because I do have probably 160 episodes in the backlog yeah. to catch up on. No, I, look, I appreciate you saying that. It, look, it was a labor of love. When I first started it, I, I, you have delusions of grandeur. You're like, well, if the broadcaster retweets it and the team retweets it, I'm going to get to like a million listeners, you know, in just a couple of months. And, of course, that never happens because, because – That's a chuckle from Dan. That's right. Well, because, you know, because teams are very adverse to uh, retweeting because if they have to do it for you, they do it for everybody else. And, look, I got it. Um, Wait a second. And, are you te- are you going a roundabout way of telling us you're not going to retweet our link for this podcast? I retweeted it from both my account and the Saints account. I, I was posted before. I was flipping out because yeah. I had such an issue with people not retweeting. Yeah. And Sean was like, bang, bang. I was like, right. thank you. Yeah. He I mean, it. Look, he does it. Yeah, it's that's that. I totally understand it. I, I, and look, if if you do a podcast, you should help other people to do a podcast. But again, I get it if you're the team and you don't want to do it. And so at some point, I realized, look, there's no monetary you know value in this, which is not why I started it to begin with. But it truly became a labor of love, and I met so many, so many great people in this business that all of them said, "Hey, if you if you ever need anything, if you ever need help, if you." And I heard from some of those people, like NBA guys. Major League Baseball guys, NHL guys reached out to me when the Saints became a AAA affiliate, and we said congratulations. And I'm like, how do you know about this? How are you paying attention to this? Like, it, it floored me. Some of the guys that, like, reached out to me to say congratulations when this happened, you know, my, my joke has been that all it took for me to become a AAA broadcaster was 14 years and someone else to fork over some money uh, for me to be a, a AAA broadcaster. So, you know, when I give my TED Talk about how to become a AAA broadcaster, I just say, look, wait your turn and have someone fork over, you know, X amount of dollars for you to become a AAA affiliate. That's what happened. So, you know. Solid business model right there. Yeah, right. That's the way you do it. That's how you do it. <laughs> So, so you had just mentioned an hour and a half podcast, and we don't want this, although it's been great fun, we don't want to keep you here another couple hours. So I think. What's the longest one you guys have ever done? Yeah. Hour 40? Hour 40? Hour, do you want, like, just stadium journey or all the podcasts I've ever produced? <laughs> well, this one specifically, right? This is the one uh, you're it's doing been right an hour, hour 40, a little oh. under two hours. Well, don't forget we did that, what, like, the longest – Finish time or the longest time recording? Because we did have that oh movie my God, that day. where we did the the, the two we in one two. night. They, they had a great idea uh, to do all the major league ballparks in one two-part episode, and I think it took us three or four hours to do and it. That, but the first part of it, we lost, and we had to go back and do oh, it again. That's brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The recording of the podcast, like, you could go – like, the stream has been live for about a, an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, the – Interview will be a little over an hour at this point, and when people when we were traveling, uh, we had a lot the, to say. The podcast would go like ninety minutes, yeah, ninety yeah. minutes, and you know that people's attention spans these yeah. days not great. Uh, yeah. uh, we do a podcast um, once a month on the Wednesdays, where the wrestling podcast usually is. Which that, when we started that, that was like three hours, right? It's down to like 45 minutes, if that. Uh, more wrestling on TV, less to talk about. Weird how that happened. Quality <laughs> over quantity. Another discussion for another time. Uh, but those shows would take six hours a night. Wow. 
because we would interview so many wrestlers, which brings me back to the not retweeting another story for another another time. Uh, the Nerd Herders, the nerd podcast that we do Wednesdays, we're clocking in at two and a half. Oh, wow. Last week, I cut them. <laughs> so I put part one out last week. It's a separate episode. And the second episode goes out this week will be a whole other discussion that went for almost another hour to break it up. But back in the old days, a difference. it's a different. The numbers change, too. Yeah, when you put a, Like, the sports ones are different because sports podcasts are kind of in that talk radio vein, right? Yeah. So you could go about 90 minutes, and a lot of people, you know, we have stuff that's around under an hour and a half that are at 300 150, between 150, 300 views. So it, it all depends on the crowd, too. That's true. I feel like we should give a cliffhanger and then, like, do a, you know, two, two parts at the end, right? Yeah. Just make an explosion, look off screen, and then cut. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we could, I, I could ask you what teams, what cities, what teams you're going to miss playing. You're going to miss yeah. those games in Gary, Milwaukee, Sioux <laughs> Falls, Winnipeg. Yeah, there there are plenty of places I'll miss. Uh, Gary will not be one of them, I promise you that. <laughs> but, uh, no, look, I, I made a lot of great friends in the American Association, all of which I'll keep in touch with. But it, that that's the other sad part, right, is you won't you won't be going to these ballparks to see those those guys that you've gotten to know so well. Um, but you'll make you'll meet new people now. Yeah, and, you'll make new friends. You know, I've said this, you know, before we wrap up here. I, I've said this that. 14 years with the Saints, I had achieved everything that I wanted to achieve. I, I welcomed in a new ballpark. Uh, we've hosted three all-star games. Uh, I finally got to call a championship moment, which which I had never done. Like, I, I had hit all these different marks. Like, I had done everything. And I started to wonder, well, what else can I accomplish? What, what else is there? And this has reinvigorated me. But it's also made me very nervous for what I just talked about. Like I didn't, I didn't earn a AAA job, right? Like I didn't apply for a AAA job and get hired for a AAA job. We happen to become one, and so you start to wonder: Well, these AAA broadcasters, when I go into their ballpark, start looking at me like this guy paid his way to this point, right? Like mommy and daddy spent a bunch of money for him to, you know, it's like the college scandal, you know, someone paid a bunch of money for for you know me to go to their school. And said I was like uh, on the rowing team or something like that, the crew <laughs> team. Like it's just, you know. And yeah, so like, uh, there, there'll be a little bit of nerves for me in, in having to prove myself again that I deserve this. Like I worked hard to get to this point. I've been a broadcaster for 20 years now. Maybe this is in my own mind, and I'm just creating this. But, um, but this has reinvigorated me to to have to prove myself all over again. And and in reality, if you look at it, and again, this is not the way it works necessarily. But technically, I'm one step away from the big leagues. So, you know, if Corey Provis, uh, you know, if Dan Gladden, if Dick Bramer, if uh, Chris Atterbury, uh, if like three people from FSN, if, uh, you know, five people on the street aren't able to do this, I think they will then finally turn to me and say, hey, these 14 people aren't able to do our game tonight. Can you make the trip across town? Yes, All yes, for the I call out of the bullpen. That's right, exactly. So. You just sounded like a, a few uh, hundred people in the royal family there. <laughs> exactly. That's that's the way it is, right? Like if, if 32 people die suddenly. That's right. If I all those people king. cannot serve, you know, then I'm in line of succession. So there you go. Uh, all right, so, Sean, so we will be rooting for that mass mass uh, <laughs> exodus. <laughs> yeah. so you can you can even make the next jump from AAA to the major leagues, but. 
yeah, and I will still to... appear. I will still appear on this this podcast, even if I reach the major leagues. I, I will give you guys the time. All uh, right. I, I, okay. I, 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 will, I will not be too big for for your podcast. I promise. Yeah, uh, Mark. Oh, well, I'm going to be too big for our podcast. I, Dan, though, no, I will not retweet it at that point. Though, sorry. <laughs> I understand. That's send us is. send us those names. We're going to start the still, hate mail campaign. Still a better still a better ratio than 98 percent of the rest. That's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Sean, do you want to uh, let our listeners know uh, where they can follow the Saints or any of your side projects or yeah, so, find the voice if they want to go back in the archives? Yeah, so uh, SaintsBaseball.com, first of all, if they want to uh, check out the Saints, hoping to have a schedule uh, next week, uh, the week of whatever the, that is, February 6th, 7th, whatever it happens to be. Um, so hoping to have a schedule sometime that week. Uh, SaintsBaseball.com, STPaulSaints on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Friendster, uh, MySpace, you know, Friendster. all those things. Friendster uh, with it. Uh, and then um, you don't want as, for, as far as the voice behind the voice, uh, you can, again, follow me on Twitter, The Voice BTV, and you can find The Voice Behind the Voice on all your favorite uh, platforms for listening to podcasts. Friendster was before Facebook. <laughs> All right, well, Sean, thanks, thanks again for joining us. We're always a great time when you when you join us, and uh, we'll look forward to having you again on maybe after your first Triple A season. Then we can recap and and compare. I promise to add one more thing to the wall at that point. I promise that that will happen. <laughs> I can send you some of my extras. Yeah, right. You know what? If we can convince him to paint it blue, we could put anything behind him. There you go. How do you feel about instinct bobbleheads? Hey, look! That's that's my that's my that's my time frame. Their best song they ever did was "Trash in the Camp," the one they did. With Those are actually Collins. my daughters, and she she left, she moved out, and uh, Bobblehead stayed. So you, you know, you know what? They're part of the collection now. You know, you, you got, got Alf, Alf. Hi, Lady Jones, Sean Aronson. Yeah, you got everything if you look hard enough, right? Yeah. That's right. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, that was Sean Aronson, the director of broadcasting and media relations. For the new AAA affiliate of the Minnesota Twins, St. Paul Saints, man. Can't wait to see how everything works out up in the Twin Cities. And can't wait to talk to Sean again, one of my favorite guests we have on the show. And I'm not just saying that because he promised to listen to the end of the show. So this I is, am. This, all right, so, you know, if I'm being disingenuous, so be it. <laughs> but I'm not. So this is the part of the show where we talk about our visits over the past two weeks. And once again, Mark, you've got somewhere you can talk about. Yes, I do. It is probably one of the smallest towns I've ever visited uh, in, in any of my travels. Eminence, uh, Indiana, probably has about 200 people living there. Don't quote me on that, but it is very small. If you blink, you're going to miss the town because as soon as you come into the town, it welcomes you. There's the high school and gym, and then, boom, you're, you're out of town. Uh, I went to one of the last few small high school gyms in the state of Indiana, the tank, home of the Eminence Eels. And it was last Saturday. They were expecting a, st- a snowstorm. It wasn't a snowstorm, but it did snow. So they pushed the game back to 2.30. I missed the first half hour. I missed their laser light show introduction. I heard it's amazing. Uh, but this is one of those classic high school gyms that takes you back to the 1950s and 60s. When uh, that's what the town did on a Friday, Saturday night, they pack the gym and warm themselves up with some basketball action. And I got to tell you something, these fans were so into the game, they were excited, all the focus was on the court, it 
there was a reduced amount of people, but the gym only seats about 1,400, so it didn't really feel like there was very few people. The atmosphere and the noise created a lot of the excitement and ambiance. So wonderful small little gym. I have a video coming out as well as a review uh, working on that right now as we speak. So that was my trip, and small-town basketball is alive and well here in Indiana. Fantastic. I wish I could go to a high school game right now. But you know what? I'm stuck with my Division Three basketball. And just yeah. a real quick anecdote, um, the way the schedule is set up for me at, at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth, uh, we're playing games on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and there's only it's only a 10-game season for the men and the women. But today was a crazy day because the, uh, the assistant athletic director, I think I've got five emails from him today regarding schedule changes because teams are flaring up with COVID and are having to cancel their activities. So the remaining teams are trying to juggle the schedule. And we're only two weeks into our schedule, and we've already had two games, two out of the four home games. Well, not no, both the home games have been played. The men have already had two road games canceled. The women have already had a home and a road game canceled. Awesome. So Everything's fine. The, yeah. So the juggling that is going on to get this, this little season done is just incredible. And the amount of hoops that we're jumping through, I don't understand how there's so many flare-ups. Because um, I think it's out of an abundance of caution, to be honest with you. We have to be tested. I don't know if I shared this last week. But uh, we have to be tested 48 hours before every game. Yep. So between my job and this job, I'm getting tested like every other day. It's hard to remember which place to show up at. Question. So I is, think, is it the hardcore swab or just the edge of the nose swab? Luckily, luckily it's not. When You remember when we first started? And they would stab the back of your brain with a yeah. long Q-tip. Yeah, they That's not the test anyway. The test now is short Q-tip. That just goes around the inside of your nostril. Yeah. I, I, there's I, a, yeah, it, you can do that every day. It tickles, but it's, it's not anything like the old one. Yeah. I think if one person shows up positive, and the players are getting tested three times a week. So I think if any one person tests positive, everything shuts down. So I think that's why we're having all these postponements. But, yeah, I really feel – for the athletic departments who are really trying to make this abbreviated season happen. It's not easy. And our season is scheduled to end at the beginning of March. Who knows if we'll make it there. But it's, it's just been amazing to watch the machinations of all of this. So uh, I've got a game scheduled for tomorrow. I've got a game scheduled tomorrow, and it's against a different opponent, so all my homework went out the window. You know, I've been thinking about last couple of days – uh, with the vaccines accelerating in, in a lot of places. It's not enough, but it's accelerating. The euphoric feeling we're going to have when we're at a game and go, oh, man, remember we couldn't do this? <laughs> uh, uh, I thought we were uh, Go to a restaurant and sit down. I'm okay with that, though. Like, that, you know. See, I, I've done that once since this whole thing started, and I was really uncomfortable, I'll be honest with you. I, see, the whole thing about... Or Mitch and Dave hasn't left his house in a year. Yeah, <laughs> I I haven't really, I've gone to Jersey, you know, I've looked for houses, yeah. but I haven't, you know, done, hey, look at me. But anyway, real quick, I just, um, it'll be worth it, folks. Uh, stop going out and getting your family members sick and wear a mask, wash your hands, and we're almost there. We're almost there. I can't emphatic, I can't monosyllabically explain, we're almost there. I sure hope so. so. You guys might almost be there, but every report we get up here is that, oh, yeah, that shipment of 
vaccines going to Toronto is not happening, and that shipment is half of what it's supposed to be. So that's where we're getting, we're, we're getting a lot of that, but it's still uh, miles away where we where we were about March 17th last year. Yeah, hopefully we're closer to the end than the beginning. I mean, we are. <laughs> we're always closer to the end than we are at the beginning. Well, not always. <laughs> well, anyway, that's where we'll wrap it up tonight on that cheery note. Dan, where can our listeners follow you? Dan Long. Eight. On all social media platforms, except Facebook until March 2nd. Dan Long, 83. Bad, Dan. I wasn't bad. I know you showed me what it was. Like, huh? okay. was it, wasn't that stupid? Can, Algorithms. Listen, Algorithms. Can you at least this time go, okay, that was stupid. Thank you. Mark, where can our listeners follow you online? You can follow me online on Twitter or Instagram, Ballpark Hunter. Also on YouTube. Like, subscribe, watch my videos. Just type in Ballpark Hunter, and uh, you'll be pleasantly entertained each Monday and Thursdays. And another thing. I'm kidding. I, I would hate to be unpleasantly entertained. Uh, well, is that possible? I don't know. I don't. Yes, so. I have a story for you. No. Tell it another time. <laughs> Dave has to go to work tomorrow. Dave, <laughs> 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 I was just follow you. Uh, on Twitter, at Profan9, uh, literary journey is continuing because I can't go anywhere. Um so no, finished uh, Steve Dangle's book, which was which was fascinating. It was Steve Dangle wrote a book. Oh yeah, it's it's really it's really quite awesome um, about how you know his whole life of uh, being on the internet and YouTubing and whatnot, and how that's kind of brought him into the mainstream hockey uh, world. Yeah, fascinating. I um, love him, Paul. He loves the Bruins. <laughs> Uh, I, I know yeah. who Steve Dangle is. Also, because um, Black History Month uh, went through the latest memoir of Willie O'Ree. That was really interesting. Yeah, I, this part I really can't get my head around. A guy playing left wing with no right eye. Yeah, that's and crazy. he's not yeah. dead because people like killed him on the blind side. It's it's unbelievable. But you know, funny funny thing. He, he talked about how he extended his career. By uh, when he went and played on the West Coast, he extended his career by switching from left wing to right wing. <laughs> Listen, I'll come play for you, but I gotta switch sides. <laughs> uh, but anyway, right now, because you know I've been listening to Dan be all upset about um, you know 1975 and the Flyers, so we're into uh, 1967, uh, where the Toronto Maple Leafs had uh, get ready for the inside joke. Their their head coach, general manager, was George Punchy. Imlock. So, you could follow you, that at Profan90. You had 11 cups. We had two. I don't care about 1967. Well, hey, one of us was actually alive the last time those people did. Yeah, yeah, I, I was born in 74, so. I don't care. <laughs> I, I think care. you were the one that said it doesn't this count is, if you weren't born yet. No, no, I was, say, I was saying it's bullshit if you say that. <laughs> Uh, the, from the from the fan base that keeps throwing Joe Carter in my face, I don't care about 1960 goddamn seven. <laughs> it's not the fan base that throws it in your face; it's me. All of you, every single one of you. <laughs> I could care less. All right, you can follow my stadium journeys on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, OnlyFans at Puckman RI. 
stuck that one in there, much like OnlyFans. Ah, I get it. Uh, who would want to subscribe to my OnlyFans? Ooh. Oh, Paul, let me tell you about. Never mind. No, don't tell me. I don't. I'd rather be ignorant. Thank you. There's an audience. Hey, you know what? Yeah, there's somebody out there for everybody. All right, so back on track. Don't forget to check out our website, StadiumJourney.com. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Stadium Journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Like us on Facebook. Do all, all that good stuff. You can find the Stadium Journey podcast at BOCNation.com or just search on your smartphone, BOC Nation Radio Network. We simulcast live, as some of you might know, because you're already there every other Tuesday night at 8 Eastern at Twitch.tv slash Danlaw 83. We will return in two weeks. That puts us at February 16th, when we will be joined once again by Kelly Levy and the rest of the gang from Away the Park. So Kelly Levy. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> my annual hockey crossover episode. Until then... Since we were talking about the Twin Cities, remember, we're here to celebrate the things called life. This is a switch to the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks, former WCW star Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Taku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off uh, buildings. And then uh, uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have Adnan lost a lot of family in the Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Taylor, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern Time or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Stadium Journey, the worldwide leader in stadium reviews for the traveling sports fan, is proud to present the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. Join us as we talk with prominent figures from around the sports world to discuss issues pertaining to sports travel and stadiums around the globe. New episodes air on VOC Nation Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Join Paul Baker, Dave Cartney, Mark Viquez, Dan Calachico, and guests from throughout the sports world on the Stadium Journey podcast on VOC Nation. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter, Chris Best discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com 
or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs, yeah, you get ready to get nasty. Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.